this is part two of a two-parter episode. If you haven't heard the first part, go listen to it now or else nothing will make sense. Favorite shows and or dream roles. Mine are Sunday in the Park with George, Les Mis, and special shout out to the Spongebob musical, which I've been listening to a lot. It's so good. It's Obsessed. so good. Obsessed. It's so Obsessed. good. Um, it makes me think of Christmas time because um, friend of the pod and theme song composer Connor Walgus um, saw the Spongebob musical in New York. <laughs> and then right before I moved to Grand Forks, we met and we had chocolate cake and he gave me the cast recording he brought back for me and it was snowing outside and it was very nice. Oh, so Spongebob makes me think of Christmas. Also, that's the best book that you can get. Like, it is... I'll have to bring it for you. Oh, yes. It's the best. Yes. Like, 3D really fold me. out. Like, the most work went into that book. Oh, my yes. God. That yes. was what Millie picked out for merch. <laughs> she has good taste. Yes, she does. All right. Turn All right. Favorite show. That's an impossible question, but I always <laughs> find myself rounding back to Aida. Oh, Just yes. adore Aida. Um, because of that, a dream role is Amneris. I would rather wear a barrel than conserve a team apparel. For a dress has always been my strongest suit. Um, other dream roles include, but are not limited to, Fiona and Shrek, Eponine. I've always been a Christine Canigula at heart from Be More Chill. Um, there's a role that I love in every show. And <laughs> yeah. so, there's, I could list them all forever, but that there's not enough time in a podcast for that. So. <laughs> Rena Sweeney, anything goes. <laughs> I've yes, always felt a I'll give you a dream role. I've always felt a kinship with Sutton, so. Yes. <laughs> well, I would say for for a play, definitely Death of a Salesman. Mm. Um, and then for a musical, I would say I would say Gypsy. <gasps> oh, and, um, I don't sing, but if we're we're just saying which we're oh, yeah. I would like to be Mama Rose. Oh. That would be so much fun. That'd be so much fun. So good. Mm -hmm. So obviously, Gary Coleman, Avenue Q, has <laughs> happened at some point in my life. Obviously, Audrey too, in Little Shop, because like, how could I not ever? Um, surprisingly, Motormouth Maybell was not ever on my list. Lil Inez from Hairspray. Um, and I'm, I'm six foot tall, which is a problem, which is why Sasha Yearwood beat me for that, because she's half my height. Um, and so uh, I guess Motormouth would be on there, kind of crossed off. Donkey, I will be your donkey for Shrek. <gasps> okay. If anyone does donkey, like does Shrek, <laughs> I'm your donkey. And we had talked about with Kyle, Kyle and Rob, Rob about Shrek too. So we're like yes. halfway to a cast now. Seriously, Emma wants to be a little um, beginner. 
I am so ready for that so if we could do that along with me just realizing Max Bialystok from the producers is also on my list of yes. roles um, there's like 50 million and most of them are male roles and so I just kind of exist like that um, basically like Sutton Foster just like anything that she's done I'm like I can do that too probably <laughs> maybe um, but yeah no uh, it's a lot of traditional black roles as well because easy I can do it <laughs> I can sing it right we'll see um, so we've already had this journey with me and you know friends of the pod know I'm terrible at making choices but um, roles that I don't think I mentioned before um, if I could be in Hamilton the only role I would accept is King George um, yeah. Hashtag, you're my king. <laughs> That's my king. I'll be back. I'll be good. Um, I would love to be King George. Um, thinking about plays, because we normally just talk about musicals, but oh, I just feel like I have a heart in plays. Um, I would love to be in anything Ionesco. Absurdism. I love absurdism. Um, and that would be magnificent. And then Waitress is, I think, my <laughs> yeah. new favorite music. I mean, mm-hmm. I've really been... Loving on Waitress for a long time because Sarah Bareilles is my girl and Waitress is my oh, jam. So, yeah, so that's kind of my three ones that I'm going to share this time, <laughs> friends of the pod. Who knows what's going to happen next? I, so, I've had two dream roles and I got to play one of them. Um, Edna Turnblad and Hairspray was absolutely a bucket list role. And the other one, I understand completely that I'm going to have to fund and mount this production on my own. <laughs> Because I would never get cast in this ever, um, and that is Joanne and Company. <gasps> I... Let's do it right now. <laughs> I'm ready I knew for that. that. Going to be on your team. Very I love it. I love it. Company is my favorite show, and I found it at kind of in a weird way because I got divorced a few years ago, and uh, it was very sudden and kind of like emotionally traumatic. <laughs> where the best theater comes from, and yeah. so. Um, <laughs> I was sitting in my house, sort of uh, waiting to die, and I just put on Netflix, and I was like, I need something to, like, lighten my mood, (laughs) and I was going through, and they had the Raul Esparza uh, revival of Company, and in my crazy, emotional, addled brain, I confused Company with how to succeed in business without really trying, <laughs> which I had seen at U and D, and I was like, "Oh, that's really fun!" And it's '60s, and it's so cute. <laughs> and then I watched this whole thing about that was all about marriage and relationship, <laughs> not getting married today, and the whole thing. Wow. And I just wept on my couch, but it just was so beautiful. And no shade to Elaine Stritch or Patty Lapone. Barbara Walsh's version of Ladies Who Lunch is the only version of Ladies Who Lunch that I need in my life. Here's to the girls who play wife. Aren't they too much? Keeping house but clutching a copy of life just to keep in touch. The ones who follow the rules and meet themselves at the schools to be to know that they're fools Aren't they a jam? I'll drink to them Let's all drink to them It is heartbreaking and amazing and that's that's the Joanne that I want in my life. Like I want that sort of, because it's so raw and it's not 
It's not the big diva moment of Patty Lapone, and it's not kind of growly like Elaine Stritch. It's just beautiful. I absolutely love it. Um, so those are kind of the two. I would love to do Arnold in um, Torch Song Trilogy. It's kind of old. It's got, you know, it's definitely a little moldy around the edges, but I love it. I would love to do, um, God, what is her name? Lorita, I think is her name in, I'm a Noel Coward fan. And my favorite Noel Coward is Easy Virtue, which is one that not a lot of people know. And it's just kind of a big, it's really a, this kind of morality play about people who think they're really moral. And then this woman who comes in who's kind of divorced and has a past. And she kind of sweeps in and shows that they're all hypocrites and then gives them a big F you on the way out. Like, it's phenomenal. I love that. I love Proof. I would love to direct Proof. Um, that's one that I absolutely adore. Being involved in different ways. There's different kind of shows. Shows I would love to direct and shows that I would love to see staged. And But yeah, that's, those are the, t and those are the two. I'm so lucky that I've, of the two, like, absolute bucket list roles, I've been able to do one of them, so... Joanne, it's coming. I'm going to be a lady who lunches. Yes. Coming soon. What's your philosophy on sending the clowns again? Oh, God. Send them in. <laughs> send in the clowns. Bring them on in. I do Bring love it. that song. I love, like, um, Sunset clown. Boulevard. Like, I love some of the old Andrew Lloyd Webber kind of stuff. I know that it's a little cheesy now, but um, send in the clowns. If you ever go to karaoke and someone sings send in the clowns, that's the karaoke equivalent of a suicide note to, like, get help. Like, that, if somebody sings yeah. that at karaoke, things are not okay. Like, that is, I love that song, and I love to see it performed, but at, at a karaoke night, you, there, somebody needs to be on emergency yeah. duty. Like, that's, we need to watch. I was going to say, actually, real quick, my brother wants to have cats that are all named after, like, Andrew Lloyd Webber. So, like, Jesus Christ Superstar and Joseph and, like, just cats. The cat named Cats. Oh my god. I had a Skimble Shanks. Oh, he was not friendly. He hated me. <laughs> the railway cat. That was oh, Emma's first like show she fell in love with. That was my show. Of course it was. Cats. Oh, Macab team, Macab team. From Grizabella, obviously. <laughs> Side note. Oh, okay. I was gonna say, did anyone else have a weird sexual awakening from a cavity? Like, oh, and Monka Strap just like narrating the whole thing. I'm like, yeah, let's do these follicles. Let's get it. You don't have to include this. Part. <laughs> oh, I'm going to include I, this. I want to airbrush those costumes though. Like, I'm not let Casey listen to this. Okay. That's <laughs> not what I was gonna say about cats. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say that Cats was actually one of the first shows that I saw, and cool. it was in Omaha. It was like a tour of it, and I remember it was one of the shows that we listened to all the time in the car and road trips, and I had mm -hmm. all the songs memorized. person in the chorus, a female voice who would stand out in all of the songs. Did you get, I don't know if that was just me, but I could still hear her. That one, I'm like, blend a little It was better. me. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I get it from my mom. <laughs> but when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is different than what I was, I where's just my like, girl? Well, I just was it Victoria? Just, like, just listening to the it. White cat. Yeah, and where's my girl? But no. I, and I don't know what I was going to say before that. Uh, what are your favorite shows oh, or dream yeah. Um, I think for me, being kind of alto, maybe mezzo-soprano, like I think of dream roles of 
with in terms of songs I would love to sing yeah. and kind of build from there and when it comes to musicals and I would I in karaoke speaking of that mm-hmm. I always sing cabaret um <laughs> always nice. <laughs> and so I think Sally Bowles would be amazing nice um but now I find myself getting into a different stage of life where I'm kind of like, what would I like? Like, what would I actually play now? And there are some really interesting roles for people at different stages of life where you can wear wigs and do makeup. And so I, I don't know. We'll Mrs. Potts, I'm giving out <laughs> roles to everyone. <laughs> I would love to see. You're so sweet. Mrs. Potts. You as a Mrs. Potts, I'd love it. You need to be uh, let's do it here. I'll, I'll do that. Um, and I, I also, I was just saying when I left rehearsal the other day, the song came on that the mom of Evan Hansen sings and Daryl Hansen. Oh, okay. that is oh one my of my God. dream roles. Heidi Hansen. Yes. Mm-hmm. So one that's day. on my list for sure. Yes. Now, after listening to that and crying in my car. That night I tucked you into bed. I will never forget how you sat up and said. Is there another truck coming to our driveway? A truck that will take mommy away. And the house felt so big. And I felt so small. The house felt so That song is so, so big, so small. Yeah. So good. I have never had made a song, made snot come out of my nose except for that song. There it is. What is this song? Um, it's called So Big, So Small. It's from Dear Evan Hansen. And it's, so she, so she is a single mom and she's raising this son who's sort of odd, right? And it's a song about when her, when her husband or ex-husband brought the U-Haul truck and moved away and took his stuff. And in at one moment in the song, she said, "You know, he, I can't. I'll never forget how you sat up and said, is there another truck coming to a driveway? A truck that will take mommy away.' Okay, that's enough. And she them. just I like, it already. it's so. I know. It's yeah, like no, it's so. Brenna made me listen to it. <laughs> Brenna it's made me so when, good. I your love parents my had sad moved. ones. Yeah, they moved oh, I out of your like house you grew up in, and so you like listened to it the whole way driving home from the river, and then told me, and I listened to it. And I'm like, oh girl, I've lived in like 15 different houses. Don't do this. <laughs> it's like it wasn't totally relevant to like my parent dynamic. But like With the moving, singing, yeah. the house felt so big and yeah. I felt Ugh. so small as I'm walking out of my childhood home. Cheers. Yes. <laughs> and for me, I was a single mom for a while and so I can really relate to that. Yeah. And I love that that's... You know, people uh-huh. can relate to things can in different it, ways yeah. and connect with things for different reasons. And so I would absolutely love to sing that song and maybe I'll just sing it for fun and my daughter will not be amused. But <laughs> for fun. someday maybe she would. For fun and we'll yeah, I like fun. to make my mom cry and I sent her that song. So maybe someday for her birthday we'll just like... <laughs> We'll just call and I'll just have you sing that song into the hall. Yes, there we go. Can the fire hall do a sad cabaret where we oh sing? Oh my god! Songs? I would love nothing more than a sad that. song cabaret. Send in the clouds. Oh, I love a sad song. We'll, we'll bring it to the programming committee. Okay. Most of which is here. Programming committee is here. The whole programming committee is here. So.
So it's a go. You okay. can sing that one. I'm going to sing everything I know from In the Heights. No. Oh, it's so good. Oh, how dare you. Can't. I'm ready. Ruthie, favorite shows? I, I, I don't know, but I do know. I wish I would have had my pen with me that I always have up here like this because I needed to write down everything that you guys are talking about. I haven't seen half of these shows. Well, you can Funny listen thing, to the podcast. You can listen again. You can listen again. Right there, man. Wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs> that's what I want to do is just watch everything that you guys have watched. Because I have no idea. I mean, I, I'm pretty traditional. I, I haven't done a lot, a lot, a lot. So this is fun to listen to all of your faves. Can we just throw out one more? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Of course. Because this was like one of the most memorable, life-changing experiences seeing this show. I just want to oh. throw it out there, the color purple. But most of all, I'm thankful for loving who. Yes, I'm beautiful. And I'm here. Oh, sorry, oh. I just had to throw it out there. Of course. We can just leave it there. But I also have to throw out right now Emily is wearing her 30 Fork shirt and drinking out of her 30 Forks mug. <laughs> Number one <laughs> podcast fan. Number one fan. <laughs> front of the pod. <laughs> Not a nerd. No, you just ordered yours. Yeah. Not a nerd. Not Not a nerd. The color purple is in my head. Oh. Also, Emery, when you grow up, you need to check out the role of Bess and Morgan and Bess. Well, well, and that's a funny thing because I have parents where my dad is white and my mom is black. My mom has asked my dad so many times, will you sing any Porgy and Bess duets with me? And my dad's like, no, because in the script, it says it's specifically supposed to be people of color. And my dad is this, he's the coolest 79-year-old white guy you will ever meet. Because he's so woke. And so, yeah, like, he refuses to. And so, yeah, like, anything, like, that's just, oh, also, if we are going back, Sandy Cheeks from Spongebob. Yes. Is a go-to. And my good pal Cody, Cody Gersheski, knows Carlos Lopez, who was Mr. Krabs, and, like, obsessed to where, like, anytime he tags him in a post on Facebook, I have to comment just to be involved. Um, Because I'm I'm a terrible... Oh, yeah. Very appreciate cool. that. That is really <laughs> such an underrated but amazing show. Right? So good. It's so good. That's like one of the last things David Bowie wrote too was yes. uh, No Control. David Bowie is a song in the SpongeBob musical. Like what universe yes. is this? T.I. <laughs> T.I. did Plankton's song, I yes. think. And uh, Plain White Tees did a song. Oh, like, my God. Yeah. Sarah Bareilles has a song. Yeah. John Legend has a song. Cindy Lauper has a song. Brendan Yuri, did we say that? Brendan Yuri has Yuri a song. Has a song. Get on it. SpongeBob, the musical. You sleeping on it. Everybody's sleeping on it. <laughs> Could I'll listen to Diana book. talk yes. about things that she's excited about <laughs> okay. for my whole life. You can, they recorded SpongeBob musical for Nickelodeon, and you can buy it on Amazon for fifteen dollars, mm. and you have it forever. What? Get, get a copy yeah, on DVD. I Okay, you can watch. Not a bootleg. A real version. It's very good. I can't believe Ethan Slater didn't win a Tony for playing SpongeBob or Gavin Lee for playing Squidward. Okay. Squidward, that's another one. I have a problem. lot of feelings about Spongebob. Amy, what are your favorite also shows? Pearl. Well, Spongebob. Pearl. <laughs> oh, that song. Oh. I am not a singer. I'm a good choral singer, so throw me at any, like, chorus and I'll be happy. Yes. Um, 
So I've never really thought of myself as having a dream. Just let me sing about the <laughs> dance. Um, so, um, favorite show? I don't know. I just love musical theater. Uh, mean Girls. It's all the stuff I've seen with my kids. Changed my world, you know? Um, seeing your, like, 12-year-old crying. She's the toughest little nugget. And she's, like, at Dear Van Hansen just, like, sobbing. Oh, yes. Yes. Like, yes! You know, like, it touches something that you... D- she doesn't cry. Like, no. Since she right. was little, she gets hurt. She runs away and, like... Mm-hmm. Like nothing. So, I mean, just seeing, yeah. yeah. And being able to, for myself, discover it with my kids is just, yeah. And awesome. that they love it as much as I do. So, mm-hmm. yes. Hopefully, we can go to New York again. Soon. I've never Someday. seen anything in New York. We lucked out. We went right now. Yeah. We took our, instead of our spring trip, we went in October. Uh, last oh, October. Wow. So, we saw like Beetlejuice and all this stuff before. Oh, so we saw Beetlejuice <laughs> twice because Derek and I went for our anniversary in June. I want to be Beetlejuice. Some okay. lots have grown for Beetlejuice. Yes. If we all say Beetlejuice three times, will it show back on Broadway? <laughs> Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Uh, Beetlejuice. You're, you're going to be fine on the other side. Die, you're all going to die, you're all going to die. Also, Dead Mom is Emma's jam. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. It is. She's, she does that. Sorry, I'll stop talking about my kids. There's just so much part of my theater experience. There are theater kids, too. Yes. So we love <laughs> they them. are, yeah. We're collectors. Shout out our Emma kids. really named the tattoo on my legs. Like, <laughs> Kathy and I have done their hair. I think that we're like surrogate mothers. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get to the reason we're all here. Steel Magnolia. What about it? Yay! Woo! Oh, that's why we're here. Well, that's yeah, oh, yeah. Um, so it's going to run virtually December 1st through the 5th and the 8th through the 12th. Um, we're going to film it next week, I guess. Really? Well, that's it. That's the week. That's it. Because next week we're going to read all we got to film it. But this is really? a podcast. What? What are we doing? What are we doing? we're not calling line anymore. That's what it means. Um, so I have a question for our directors. So why... Steel Magnolias, why do you guys want to do this? Why do you want to direct? And why now, at this time? Let me tell you about Steel Magnolias. (laughs) So actually, Kathy and I have talked about Steel Magnolias for a few years. We've kicked it back and forth um, to each other. Um, And I just, I think that... (laughs) Maybe just put on a wig and (laughs) she's serious now. Also to clarify, for friends of the pod, there's two Amy's right now. Amy me and Amy Lusty. I'm Um, I'm the loud one. And um, but I just I think that times being what they are, people love Steel Magnolias. It is a feel-good movie, it'll break your heart and build you back up again. Laughter through tears. Am I right, Truvy? My favorite emotion. Um, and I just, I felt like we needed some steel magnolias this year. Um, logistically speaking, it has six people on the cast. So that, nice I small. felt yeah. like, was a very safe number um, of people. It was all adult women, um, of whom we have a very good collection of in our theater community. So I knew that if I didn't get my first choices, there would be a lot of second choices I could call. 
But Chris and I got all of our first choices. I was a second. No, you're not. All of our first choices. You're all our favorites. We haven't even said this yet, but this is Anne Marie's first show at the final. Yeah, this is Anne Marie's first show at the final. My mom has even done a show here. And I was in it with her. Who show was that? I don't know. She played. She's in Women Speak. Sojourner Truth? Who is that? I want to say Sojourner oh, Weaver, yes, but yes, that's yes. Uh, <laughs> She was so good. Thank you. That's her mom. She was so good, and I, I was um, Emma Goldman in that one. Yeah. Love Emma Goldman, anarchist. Um, but anyway, I, I just thought that it was a good, it was a good show for the times. It was a good show for our little theater. I think it will do well, despite being streamed online, which um, a big number of our patrons are middle-aged or older and I know that this switch to everything online isn't easy. I know that the idea of taking in live theater on your computer is a little intimidating um, but I feel like because it's Steel Magnolias and (sighs) this show is so good you guys like (laughs) friends of the pod friends of the pod just just me and you talking now and these guys are so talented and the show is so well done and and you're not like it's hard to think about watching a show on your computer or on your TV but you're not going to feel like you're missing out these women have worked so hard and i just i think that this is a this is a show that will translate well um to being recorded because there is already a film version of it and i think that the message and the sentiment and the feeling and the community will transfer to like being recorded very nicely. And so I just thought all of those things lent itself to this being a good first digital show, this being a good first show as the interim executive director. I thought would this would be successful. Um, I thought that we would have the right people to be in it. Um, and so that's that's why I really pushed for this. Um, Chris, how come you chose to be here? <laughs> yeah, so um, it was already selected when I came on board, so it was already kind of decided that this would probably be the show. And um, I really liked the idea of it because, well, first of all, I mean, I am a white queer boy who grew up in the 80s in the Midwest. I know Steel Magnolias. Like <laughs> there are certain sort of hallmarks of that experience. Um, because again, that representation, when you don't see yourself, you have to find sort of like things that are part of this larger zeitgeist that sort of um, kind of speak to some of that. And just the sort of the sharing and the emotional opening and um, just some of the bigger than life personalities. Dolly Parton was huge when I was growing up. And I just, I have always loved Steel Magnolias. My colors are blush and bashful. Your colors are pink and pink. And so I love it. Like I just, I wanted to slap Weezer Boudreaux. So I, (laughs) so I was absolutely in love with it. And I loved the idea that it really is set in a time where technology is not part of our lives all the time. And I think that it's really evident. These are people who aren't walking around on their phones all the time. These are people who are living their lives and know the neighbors and go to the town festival and 
do all of these things. And it kind of calls back to that time that I remember before everybody had a stupid cell phone. And all, so I think even though it's kind of got this layer of technology on it, it's going to kind of say, you know, it's not just about technology and it's not about us getting together and kind of talking about the fears that we have is saying like, shit's gotten weird right now, but you know what? Like at the end of the day, we're all worried about the same things. We want to have people to love. We want to have people to be safe. We want people to grow old and we want, you know, all of these kinds of things that even if you take it out of the circumstances that we're in now, these are just kind of the universal things that we care about. And so I just was very excited to see that come alive on stage. And and I will second that. Like, we absolutely were going through, because we didn't want to have a big open call audition. We decided for this one, it makes more sense. Let's look at the people we know. And we made several lists. We had all, there were six so many people. Choices. Yeah, six, six sets of choices. Six casts. <laughs> and we just started calling, and we had to make six phone calls. Everybody was like, yes, I'm on board. And we really did get our like initial choice, and it's just been amazing to watch it all come together, because it's just everybody's committed to this thing, and it's weird, you know? We're all practicing with face masks. You can't see each other's faces. That's so important <laughs> when you're acting to, like... You know, three quarters of your instrument is covered up. All you, You've got to be really expressive with the eyes. Um, and, you know, we just kind of, then we have to, like, be muffled to hear each other. And one person's on Zoom and we're in the theater. And I just, with all of that, we're still just doing at heart the same thing that we've been doing all of our lives. And so we're just finding new ways to do it. And I think it's amazing. This is for the room. We don't have to go around, but if you have an answer, please answer. Um, some of us did theater over the summer. Some of us did outdoor theater, but some of us, this is our first time coming back, especially in the space, being inside since the pandemic. So what is theater like for you now? How does it impact you and affect you differently versus nine months ago when we didn't have to worry Ooh. about anything? I have an answer. Yeah. Um, and, you know, surprisingly, actually, my answer isn't super COVID related, but more so kind of the social unrest that we have had in this country yeah. that has really come to light. I think this show, I've been thinking about it a lot, and it's not just my first show at the fire hall, but it's also my first show where my race kind of matters. And I mean that in a way where, you know, with Hairspray, I was Motormouth Maybell because I was black. I wouldn't have had that role if I was white. And then in Trailer Park, where I was a person of color in the cast and it was never, no, nobody said anything about it. It was never addressed. It was just, I had a white husband. We had a perfectly white child. And it was never addressed, which is normally how shows go for me, whether it's ensemble or just a role. It's never addressed at all. And this is a show where the words change in their context because of the color of my skin. And I think that it's really important that, like, I, I'm recognizing how important it is to be like, wow, you know, it matters to where in other shows where I've had to do accents, I'm always so cautious because especially with a southern accent, it is very hard to not get, like, it, it's very different racially. Um, and I know for Trailer Park, I tried really hard to just match the Jeannie Garstecki that I heard on the recording for it and nothing that was anything that had to do with my race at all. But then for this one, I find myself watching Princess and the Frog. 
and trying to get more of a Tiana vibe. And it's something where I can't necessarily watch the original movie of it, but maybe the Queen Latifah remake, um, where that kind of helps me a little bit more because it is so different. And I think that it's, it's strange for me and I'm really enjoying the journey I'm going on by recognizing my race and how it makes the one line about, you know, you got some nice silver where you want to keep. It changes from just a ruffian to this is a girl of color and you don't trust her. Um, and so I think that it's it's a really important thing that I I never really thought about in any of the shows that I've done. And all of a sudden I'm like, wow, I'm not scared to be black on stage. And I think that's the biggest part of it is that I've always been scared and I am not scared now. Because I also I know that I have a lot of support on my side too and that I can be as black as I want. And nobody's going to say nothing about it. That's right. But yeah, this is, it's definitely something I never thought about nine months ago or through all of this. And now it's incredible to see how many friends I have with Black Lives Matter stickers on their cars. And they just don't care. And they're cutting off family. And I'm like, I, I can't even unfriend people because it's, it's people that I love that I just am like, ah, oh, it's so hard. Um, and so I think that definitely the social unrest that's going along with everything else that is the dumpster fire of 2020, um, I think that it's it's really important for me to keep that in mind going through this show. It's fun. I like it. It's a cool journey. My therapist loves it. He's making lots of Yeah, that was something that, because uh, I talked to Amy and then... We did kind of talk to um, Kathy, who plays Truvy, and to Anne-Marie separately. We didn't kind of bring it back to everybody, but we said, this is something we want you to be aware of, that, you know, it's, we want it to be something that you keep in your mind. We don't want to add anything. We don't want to change anything. Like, we don't want to do any of that, but the lines do change. You know, when Clary right. says, you better find out if she's got a pass because you've got some nice silverware you want to keep a hold of. And there's little kind of things where people say something that it can turn a different way. And we said, you know, we don't want to pretend that that's not a thing. You know, Truby immediately is talking about, I'm going to rent her the garage apartment, all this stuff. And like that in the like Southern Louisiana in the 1980s, that would have been a big GD deal that she's going to maybe like rent her garage apartment to a young black woman. Who has a right. crazy okay. husband. Yeah. Right, and doesn't really know or even just like, and now what an unusual name. And it's like, I mean, it's not, it's not really that unusual, is yeah. it? But and like, then Trudy yeah, is immediately like on her side and that that needs to be... Oh, I'm not worried about that. Like it needs to be aware of that. Oh, I'm not, I'm not worried about that. That's a different thing to say in that context than if we just had an all-white cast. I think that... We wanted that to be, like, when you're putting your characters together, don't be afraid to engage with that. and Don't be afraid to think about mm -hmm. how that shapes things. Long story short, we're just really glad to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. Really I love, here. like, the fire hall. This is fun. <laughs> I'm enjoying it so yeah. far. Excellent. What about for everybody else? Why, why did you make the decision to do a play inside in a pandemic? It's not in my house. <laughs> Being <laughs> true. And yes. I trust you guys like to be careful and I'm careful for you, so I feel like it's a small bubble. Yeah. That's something that I've noticed is a little bit different doing this during a pandemic. Um, it's interesting because we were a few of us here were involved with Puffs, a play that we were trying to put on sort of as the pandemic hit here in North Dakota. 
And yeah, rest. Rest in peace. Rest, rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> I still have my wand. I love her. I still have to put the costumes away. So. <laughs> <laughs> All 172. <laughs> with that kind of feeling, the grief uh, that came along with putting that show to bed unexpectedly, um, I appreciate this a little bit more, which I think is sort of to be expected. What I think is a surprise a little bit to me is just how much more heightened my awareness is of the other people in the cast and the crew right. and the directors and everything where we've all been very transparent about what's happening or what we're feeling and things that are going on. So there's, a, I feel, an extra sort of responsibility or an extra kind of way of just care. making sure everybody's safe. Yeah, care. And I think that for this show in particular, that actually really works because... Yeah. We're all really great friends in the show, and we do love each other, and it is kind of formed this, um, what I feel, a genuine bond with us as we go through where we actually, in real life, are caring about each other and trying to help make sure that everybody's okay and taken care of. So I, on the one hand, I really um, am savoring it even more, and we're so thankful to be here, and on the other hand, just feeling like we are being super safe and we're doing the best we can. Um, so it's kind of an interesting mix of emotions, yeah. but overall, um, it's just making me even more uh, thankful to be a part of it. I think that art right now helps us feel human and connected with each other. And so now may be a better time than any other to try to do what we can to keep that alive. And I, I would say that this, is, this podcast is going to be part of the archive, right? you know, of 2020. And um, so I would like to put in the time capsule <laughs> that I was on quarantine for three weeks and yeah. zoomed from home and so that really slowed the process down for everybody and a lot of a lot of you were zooming from home too I was gonna say yeah we we all ended you know, up in kind of um, some type sicknesses yeah we did yeah we all did two weeks and then Kathy had an additional and all because somebody went on a party bus for a 21-year-old and came <laughs> home and tested positive. Surprise! See, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to call people out like that. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm sorry. Is that what happened? They went on a party bus? A party bus. <laughs> a week later, got symptoms. Uh, well, what do you think's going to happen? <laughs> What do you think is going to happen? But, you know, like, that's part of, you know, got to make good choices because that choice, I mean, maybe it came from somebody else who had to work for a living and people in the public didn't wear masks and she was wearing a mask, you know, so maybe it came from that, but he's the one who got sick. Anyway, (laughs) so, so, you know, that's part of this process, which is very unusual for a theater process is to be Zooming your rehearsals. Um, but yeah, it is about your making your choices. And like we talk about actors making your choices, your choices affect everybody down the line. So his choice affected me, affected all of you. And then you all were so kind to keep it going. And because I offered to step out and you went to the publisher and changed the dates, which is all part of 2020 theater. It's like people are calling the, I'm sure those publishers are just like, Shit, there's another one. Adaptability. Big shout out to Dramatist Publishing, shout DPS. Um, they were so kind and so efficient, and it was not a big deal at all. Yeah. 
They sent, like, when they sent me the contract, they sent the change of form or the change of date form with it. But then when I went to fill out the change of date form, it said, if your offer is rejected, you lose your license. And I was like, so I emailed instead. And I was like, I know there's a form, but I'm just, I just need to, I need to ask. I've got very Midwestern (laughs) and was like, Chris actually made me delete that line. I was like, sorry for so many questions. I just want to get this right. And he's like, no, that's I was like, stop yeah. apologizing for everything. That's our job. Okay. Try to answer your questions. And so, I, you know, I just and wrote. And they did. And, and, they, did, and they did. They were great. They were great. They, he emailed me back within like 24 hours and was like, not a problem. I've already contacted my licensing people. They'll send you a new license. Good luck. You know, it, it was so easy. And so I just really have to hand it to the, like, the publishing services. Like, this has to be a nightmare. A nightmare, and they just had to totally reevaluate the way they do business. I mean, we we were supposed to do Murder on the Orient Express this spring, this past spring, March of 2020, and obviously that didn't happen. And the rights company was just like, "Okay, you can just hold your spot for a decade. We have the <laughs> rights to murder for a decade." They're like, just, literally, yeah, literally, <laughs> like I don't have to put those our, costumes away. to the show for 10 years. We don't have yeah. rights to murder Express. Okay, so there's this thing that all theater professionals do, and the minute you start doing a show, it has a nickname. Magnolia's Murder. Oh, you know, like yeah, every whorehouse, whorehouse, trailer park, trailer park, right? You know, and then you just like oh, assume that everyone's mm-hmm. with you on the short name, but it's not a thing. I think Legally Blonde. That doesn't really. That have one doesn't. A, yeah, we just call it blonde. I mean, Melancholy Play <laughs> became Melancholy. It was just so good. I love that show. It was a show. Where so, I played a man, an Italian man, <laughs> best. or a European man. Actually, it was not the same. <laughs> So, yeah, it's just so, I mean, what a time for a all time of us, for all of us. Time yeah. capsule. You know, and how lucky we are to be able to, ca- like, <laughs> right? Um, thank you. Um, that, like, it doesn't go unrecognized that we get to do this mm-hmm. and Broadway doesn't. Oh. They're dark, you know? Like, our... We've talked about this so much. How there is theater yeah. happening probably where you live right now, and all you have to do is... Give them like 20 bucks and you can watch a show in your jammies at home. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and, and I think what we do is just as important and just as valid as what they do on Broadway. Right. Yeah. There, The difference is the area and the opportunity. You know, I think that we, what we're creating here, the magic we're making on this stage is just as high of quality, just as good as something you would see in New York. Right. We bought no, our I paint agree. from Walmart, and we were using a couch we had in an office, and but it worked. <laughs> but but but, but the the time and the commitment and the art that you're bringing to it are no different than the professionals. Well, my brother has a two hundred thousand dollar musical theater degree, and like he's extremely talented, one of the most talented people I think I've ever met, and he's just so pure in it, and he was doing shows. And when I started doing things at the Empire, I was, I remember looking at my mom and she's like, oh, you know, maybe. And I was like, no, 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 Max, like, I'm doing what Riley does. Like, 
I'm professional, yo. Like, this is it. Like, we're putting so much love and effort and money into it because you can't do stuff for free. And it's like, we're just everything, like this whole set, like things like that where we're putting so much effort. It's just the difference of location. Right. And how I'm like, yeah, like it doesn't matter. Like I'm doing the same yeah. thing. And it, I feel like I'm doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I think this is even more important because you are doing this for free. You're not getting paid to be here. You don't get a paycheck like our friends on Broadway do, or even our friends at the Empire. Like, this, this is, is truly love, a community theater. Wait, I'm not getting paid? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> 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 Diana, I'm going to need you to cut Walk out. <laughs> 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 cut that out. As my cast leaves, and now it's Christmas. Now we have a show. What contract did I sign? Did you sign something? Drink your juice, Shelby. Drink your juice. And I think that one thing that's really come out of the pandemic is that whether we talk about it expressly or not, I think that we have a different understanding of what essential means. I think that, you know, there was always this idea of what it means to be an essential worker versus non-essential. And people always want to kind of denigrate artists and they want to denigrate quote-unquote unskilled labor but the minute the pandemic hit you certainly didn't want that person working at the grocery store to be out sick or take vacation and you certainly wanted all those actors and actresses to be making tv shows and movies that you could stream on netflix and hulu and write books for you to read like the arts were much more essential than people ever gave them credit for and all that quote-unquote unskilled labor became really essential and there were a lot of people who like to think they're essential. I, I mean, I work for, you know, corporate America and I do coding and I was not essential like that. It became very clear that I was not essential to anyone that like, I mean, <laughs> I know it's not like a, I'm not trying to get sympathy, but it's just like what I do does not like in a pandemic, we could take it or leave it. Right. But I work virtually, so I didn't have any interruption. And so it's interesting to see people who have to like go out into all of this craziness because as much as we don't value some of those things when times are great and the sun is shining those things become essential and I think that when this is over and we get back to some version of normal we need to remember what was essential during these times who was still there for you and we need to treat it as essential and we need to fund it and be kind. Fund it as if it's essential. Well, yeah, that, yeah that's yeah. huge. And, like, I'm a non-essential worker for an essential business. So I work at a corporate <laughs> office for a phone business. And so we're, like, we have to be open because we're providing connections for people. Mm-hmm. But I don't necessarily have to be there. I deal with broken stuff. And yeah. I don't have to work that much. So it's weird to be a non-essential employee, employee for an essential business and be like, my job's not important, but, like, I have to help other people whose jobs are yeah. important. And I think about it every day. I'm sitting in an office with a mask on, and I know the people around me. And then we have 53 stores with people having everyone going in and out all over. And a lot of stores in North Dakota. And we ain't looking too pretty. <laughs> We're yeah. looking like a dumpster fire. <laughs> and it's just, it's scary. It's, it's scary. But, yeah, it's that remembering, like... I've been able to get gas this whole time. I've been able Absolutely. to go to Hugo's this whole time. Oh no, Walmart closed at 8.30 p.m. Shut up! You can still go get your Tylenol at 6. Like, it's, it's, 
remembering that and yeah. knowing who was actually there. Drunk so drivers. We all like went to school for the arts pretty much, right? So now can we all tell those relatives like, what are you going to do with that? We'll be like, here it is. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Man. Right? Giant arts. Yeah. And it's like, we're sitting in a room full of essential, like, like mental health care. You're a social worker, Emily. Ruthie is a teacher. Kathy is a teacher, a lecturer. I teach sometimes. Um, you know, Diana works for a nonprofit. Brenna is a para. Chris works. He codes the Amazon, and that's important. You code the Amazon. Actually, you know, Amazon's pretty Amazon's important. pretty yeah. essential yeah. right now. Right. You know, and they are doing some essential thing. I am in an area that I'm not essential. <laughs> that website with that banner you created. <laughs> Thank you. You know, so it's like it also shows that this is where the essential workers go to recharge their batteries. Right. Uh, this is where we go to like recuperate and to refresh our souls so that we can keep being essential. Right. Like the arts are so important. It's so important to veg out in front of your TV and watch Netflix. It's important for those who are creative and artistic like us. I mean, to come here and have that release and have that time for ourselves. I mean, Amy sewed approximately one million masks. I'm up to 3,700. 3,700 masks. A million. What's the difference? After you make a thousand. Amy, 3,700 masks. But she loves it. You know, it's so essential. I'm over masks. Dr. Fauci is giving us the stink eye. She has her Fauci mask on. You know, Amy Jo's homemade, handmade on Etsy. There it is. Give her your monies. Um, but everyone you know, turns to the arts. But Whether everyone turns to the arts. Whether we're doing it like this, or people are yeah. watching Queen's Gambit, or whatever newest thing. Whatever, so you know, good. it's like, it shows how, yes, it shows our families, A, that we're important. in the morning. And B, the rest of the world, what did you want at the end of the day when you couldn't handle anything else? You wanted the arts. Yes, exactly. well, and, yes. that's so beautifully said. What did you want at the end of the day? You wanted the arts? You wanted the arts. And and that's the compliments that I've gotten from the, the random time I went into budget music. And the guy was like, you did a show. And I'm like, in a hat and a mask, like, how did you recognize Jeannie Garstecki right now? <laughs> right. Because I don't look like that. And, like, I just remember him telling me just how it was, like, all of the concerts he had planned got canceled. And he had nothing to go to. And all of a sudden, someone's like, they're doing this trailer park thing outside the Empire. And he went three times. And he didn't know anyone in the cast. And he just was so happy to recognize me and be like, I just wanted to thank you because I was dying to see something. Mm -hmm. And like the minute I started talking about this show, everyone's just like, oh, oh, how do I I see it? How do I watch it? What's the link? How do I? And and, because... This is all people want. Is it's also this. kind of amazing that like my relatives who are all over the country who have not gotten to see me ever be in a show are like, oh, we finally get to see you. Right. Yeah. yeah, and what a show. Like, yeah. What to see. yeah, exactly. What a show. <laughs> and to see you, and especially if they haven't really seen you in anything. <laughs> yeah, you're going to shock yeah. the family. You're there it is, yeah. I'm excited. Shock them. With you that, should, they need to have like wink. a, like I mean, a reaction. This is my first monologue I've ever memorized. <laughs> You'll still make I play it cool around. for you guys. Like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for being here. It was so fun to talk to all of you and get to know more about you. And then, though we've been seeing each yeah. other every day for like over a month now, we love it. I um, learned so much about you guys. Yes. I feel even closer as a family. <laughs> I want to hug you all, but social distancing. <laughs> <laughs> 
a um, very hard time for the huggers. Everybody. Yes. I have to give Anne Marie her hug though. Why? Look, we gotta do a hug a day, right? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. They're trying to get me comfortable with people. <laughs> <laughs> like a rescue dog. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Where's my treats? Give you treats. <laughs> <laughs> you treats? Yes. Yeah, she has mine in that mug. So. Yeah. 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 She's my daughter. Yeah. I got a love on her, and she don't want me loved on. So, uh, if you try not to take a person, if you would like to support the theater, you can buy a ticket to Steel Magnolias, which will be up soon. Pro- probably by the time this episode comes out. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Okay. But also, if you'd like to support the theater, um, you may have saw me um, on the cover of the Grand Forks Herald in April talking about I Heart Grand Forks shirts. Yeah. Um, I relaunched that campaign today. So um, you can get an iHeart GF or iHeart EGF shirt, and both of the the, pros, the profits from those shirts will be split between uh, the Fire Hall and the Empire. So uh, I made I made sure to do it earlier to, early enough so that uh, the shirts will come before Christmas. So if you missed out last time, or you want to give them to all of your family members, which you should, uh, those are available now, including youth sizes. Uh, we also have some official Steel Magnolias merch. <gasps> what? what? says, I slapped Weezer Boudreaux, because there's a whole point, there's a whole thing where Clary says, we can sell t-shirts to say, I slapped Weezer Boudreaux. So we are, and all the profits of those go to the fire hall, of course. There's also some lovely Theater Forks merch, and all the profits of that go directly to me and Amy. Um, but we'll probably buy props for the theater or something, so it all goes back to the it theater. It just goes back to the goes theater. Back to the theater. <laughs> As always. Um, some theater roundup. Uh, so NDSU is doing uh, the Velveteen Rabbit as a radio play uh, until November 29th. That's on now. So you can go to ndsu.showware.com and check that out. Uh, FMCT is presenting 10-minute plays online until December 20th, and they're, like, rolling them out, um, including one by friend of the pod, uh, Katie Spokely. She directed one. It was her first direction, so check that out. Yeah. Uh, you can go to fmct.org. Uh, of course, Steel Magnolias, we run December 1st uh, through the 5th and the 8th through the 12th. You can go to ggfct.com. And Dakota Stage in Bismarck is doing A Christmas Carol, December 3rd through the 13th. And you can find information about that at dakotastageltd.com. So go support theater in your area. Always a forking good time to be with you people. <laughs> <laughs> we always have to end with a terrible pun. Yeah, we Ooh. do. Anyway. This has been Theater Forks. The Magnolia episode. <laughs> Yay! Thanks for joining, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Theater Forks is hosted and produced by Amy Driscoll and Diana Shabaiba. Our theme song is composed by Connor Walton. Visit us at facebookcom theaterforkspod on Instagram at theaterforkspod or email us at theaterforkspod at gmail.com.